From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Sunday, April 5th, 2020. I am Dan Rubin. This is Bucknuts Almost Live, our sporadic Sunday podcast. We usually do this during the season, and today is used as a way to wrap up the game and put next week's contest into perspective. Obviously, we're not putting anything in perspective in the future anytime soon. We are going to try and do Bucknuts almost live on a somewhat routine basis. We need to get guests for this, interesting guests that make you guys want to get up and hang on a Sunday. I think we've got a good one to get started here. NFL draft analyst Dane Brugler from The Athletic. We've had him on here before. We had him on about six weeks ago to preview where guys might go, and now we have a much better sense of that. The NFL draft is really the only thing real on the sports docket that we have coming up, and thankfully there's a ton of Buckeyes who have a chance to get picked. We go through each one of them. Dane breaks them into tiers and gives you kind of a sense of how each guy has dealt with the process and how that affected each and every draft status. If there are people you'd like us to talk to for an extended interview for Bucknuts Almost Live, please throw it in the thread below. We will do our best to reach out. Kind of a weird time getting in touch with people, but a lot of people are homebound, so maybe we can get a shot at a guy who might not otherwise want to come on the show. And really, we just want to thank all Bucknutters for sticking around and using Bucknuts as a way to kind of get away from everything. We hope we have been able to provide some infotainment We plan to do so in perpetuity here. We're not going anywhere. Don't know what's coming up with the football schedule, but we know this. Ohio State football is not going away, and we will be here to cover it every single step of the way. Hope you enjoy the interview with Dane Brugler from The Athletic. As promised, Bucknutters, we are joined by the best in the business. NFL draft analyst from The Athletic, Dane Brugler, joins us. Dane, how has 2020 treated you up there in Warren, Ohio? Hey Dan, always a pleasure uh, to to join you. It's it, this has been a weird process. Uh, you know, obviously, hopefully everyone's staying safe out there uh, during these uncertain times. Um, but you know, as as it pertains to the draft, you know, it's been it's been strange because uh, the month of Mo- the month of March has been, uh, you know, usually it's pro days, it's workouts, it's you know, players being uh, flown up to NFL facilities. You know, we can connect the dots about where players might be headed or, you know, who teams are interested in. This year, you know, we had about a week, week and a half of pro days beginning of the month, and then everything hit, uh, you know, with, with the coronavirus. And the last, you know, uh, three, four weeks have been just craziness. And so, um, as of now, you know, beginning of April, uh, the draft is still set to uh, take part April 23rd, 24th, 25th, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't see that changing. Uh, the NFL is very adamant about it happening uh, on schedule, and, and I understand why. You know, it's the only show in town. And to be honest, if, if nothing's going to change, you know, if they moved it back three weeks, but nothing's really going to change in terms of uh, uh, having 
the, the ability to have, uh, you know, workouts and having you know, bring players to your facility and all that, then there's really no point in moving it. So I certainly understand why they're uh, the NFL and Roger Goodell are being uh, a little uh, stubborn about wanting it uh, on the uh, April 23rd date. So as of right now, that's when it's going to be. But uh, it makes it a little more tricky to, to figure some of these guys out um, just because when you don't have all the information, all the testing information. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, you know, we've seen all the tape, and I think we have a pretty good idea about where these guys are headed. So let's bring it back to Columbus here. Given what's going on, we all know that, for example, Chase Young and Jeffrey Okuda, their draft prospects aren't affected by all this. But if we could go through and kind of break it down into tiers, everyone has heard your complete breakdown of the Buckeyes we did last time, which was unreal. Since then, if guys have moved, if guys have impressed you, if someone has jumped out at you on tape, if you've heard some stuff that maybe moved some guys around, let's start with the top two guys. If there was a mock draft out today, that means there'll be 7,000 tomorrow. I've never seen so many mock drafts. Everybody has a lot of free time at their house. You see Chase Young at two to the Redskins and Jeffrey Okuda at three to the Lions. I've actually seen a few things where Okuda drops. I saw one that had him at 10, which I can't believe. As far as the top tier of the Buckeyes, how do you see it breaking down? Yeah, like you said, we we know Chase Young, Jeffrey Okuda, that's the top two. And I, I think that there's a very, very good chance they end up being the first two defensive players drafted, number two. Number three, uh, I think Isaiah Simmons from Clemson got a little bit of a bump after his combine performance. Um, Okudo was really good, wasn't great um, at, at, during his combine performance. So maybe Simmons being a little bit of bump uh, from mock drafts uh, after that. But no, for the most part, you know, you look at the Lions at number three. Could they trade out? Absolutely. Uh, you know, we'll have to see what the Dolphins decide to do, what the Chargers decide to do. But um, where we sit right now, if the Lions stay put at three, do not do not trade out. I think that uh, the favorite for that number three pick is Okuda. Um, and they obviously could consider Simmons or someone else. But uh, you know, I think that's – when we talk about the Buckeyes, the top tier, I think you got to start with those two guys, Young and Okuda. That's the top tier. And then as we went, maybe go to that next tier – that's where I think J.K. Dobbins comes in. Who and Dobbins definitely has a chance to go in the first, um, but you know he's not a top ten guy like those two guys on defense are. So um, I'd put him in that next tier, and he might be in that tier by himself to be honest, because uh, he's he has legitimate first round potential, uh, potential to be the first back drafted. Uh, the biggest issue I think is trying to find a landing spot for uh, these running backs in the first round, because when you look at it. Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift. I think all three have first-round ability, but trying to find that landing spot in the first round is a, is a little tough. Uh, you know, I think that there are more and more teams that are subscribing to the notion that you, know, you can get a running back second, third round, or even later. You don't need to draft one in the first round. Um, and, you know, you look at some of the teams picking in the back half of round one, a lot of them already have their running backs figured out, or the ones that don't, you don't think they're going to take, you know, like the, the 49ers and the Chiefs. Both could take a running back uh, at some point in the draft, but, you know, do they, they They both just made the Super Bowl with undrafted free agent running backs on the roster. Are they really going to spend a first-round resource at the position? I highly doubt it. So um, the one team that really intrigues me in the late first for Dobbins is the Dolphins. Uh, 
sitting there at uh was it twenty six? Yeah, with the trade with Houston. Um they they've got so many picks in this draft. Uh they're probably gonna be moving around a lot. But with I mentioned earlier how the absence of the thirty visits where the teams have the chance to bring these guys in the facility, learn more about them, spend time with the coaches, medicals, uh, just, you know, X's and O's, personality-wise, everything. Um, that's something that we don't have this process, but the Dolphins were able to bring in J.K. Dobbins at the beginning of the month uh, before all this stuff hit. And so they've got a little more working knowledge about Dobbins than pretty much any other team. And so that's the one team that really intrigues me in that late first-round conversation. They are looking for a running back that will fit their culture, that will help take pressure off the quarterback, regardless of what they do. If they draft Tua, if they draft Herbert, uh, you know, they are really looking for that tone setter at the running back position. And I think uh, J.K. Dobbins could certainly be that guy. So you look at the next tier, and this is the most interesting one in terms of where they could possibly go, the Davon Hamilton, Malik Harrison, K.J. Hill, and maybe Damon Arnett. Mm-hmm. How do you jumble those guys together? Has the dust settled on them at all? Yeah, this one, like you said, this was a little tougher. Um, and I think I think based on – I, I would I would call, okay, the top tier are the top ten guys. The next tier uh, with J.K. Dobbins, that's the borderline first-rounders. This next tier, I just I would say they're day two prospects, second or third round. And I, I think that when you look at it, Damon Arnett, to me, has the most talent of that group. It's just, you know, is he going to be drafted as high as his talent suggests? You know, come back for a senior year, uh, it turned into a – or went from a liability from a uncertainty at corner to – more of a sure thing, a more well-rounded player, more consistent, avoided uh, penalties uh, much more uh, consistently as a senior, and you know, really helped himself. But, you know, teams, and, I, and I've said this publicly before, but teams have questioned his uh, maturity level and, and something that uh, is, is going to be a turnoff for some teams. Not every team, but some teams it was a turnoff. And so where he ends up, I, I you know, I, it is hard to say because some teams will pass on him, but some teams, uh, maybe in the late second round, who knows, will say, you know what, the talent is just too much to pass up on here, especially at a position that has tremendous value. So um, I think in terms of talent, Arnett belongs at the top of that list. Um, I think that Malik Harrison, uh, he also has a shot to go in that second round. I think he's one of the best run defenders in this draft. And then he also has the athletic potential to grow and grow and grow. Uh, in coverage. So I, I think what he offers at a linebacker position is going to be awfully appealing, uh, and, and that could get him drafted in the second round. Um, Devon Hamilton, for a team looking for that nose, for a, a guy that can two-gap, uh, for a guy that can be a space eater, but he can also uh, take on single blocks and give you a little bit of pass rush value, uh, he's really going to be uh, an attractive prospect. I think he's somewhere – in that third round mix, I would be I would be very surprised if he gets out of, of day two. If we're finished with day two and he has not been drafted, uh, I think something might be going on. So he's a uh, he's a really good player and, and someone who I think has really helped himself. Uh, similar to Arnett, helped himself as much as anybody uh, in this draft process. And then KJ Hill, I'd also put in that mix. Those four guys, uh, Hill. He, 
average uh, testing, uh, which I think was expected. You know, we know he's not a 4-3 guy, but he wins with savvy. He wins with uh, an understanding of how to set up defensive backs, finding their blind spot, uh, getting a little bit of separation, and then creating uh, or giving that quarterback a target that he can uh, – uh, and he's obviously a very reliable pass catcher who uh, can be that, that outlet, that, that safety valve for a quarterback. So uh, a team looking for a dedicated slot, uh, they're going to be uh, looking at K.J. Hill somewhere in the third round possibly. So, that yeah, this tier I would call the, the day two prospects of the group. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. One thing I don't understand about NFL talent evaluation is if you're a defensive tackle that that does not specialize in getting to the quarterback, you Mm -hmm. don't seem to have a tremendous amount of draft value. But then every single team needs a guy in the middle to stop the run. I'm speaking as a Cowboys fan here. Davon Hamilton is going to be, if he's picking the third round, is going to be a 10-year player for somebody and help stop the run. I I, I mean, and I, I find that to be extremely valuable. That's an undervalued position to me. It's kind of like running back on on the defensive side. You know, I think we've seen a lot of those big hulking nose tackles get drafted third, fourth, fifth round. And so teams feel like, well, we don't need to draft one early because we we feel good like we can find one later uh, because, you know, you just need a guy that basically takes up space. And, you know, I, so they I, I think it's almost like that that running back discussion where you feel like you can get one later, which I, I, I kind of agree with. Um, you know, it's just, I don't think it's quite that simple, uh, obviously. But a guy like Hamilton, uh, you know, he he's going to be near the top of the list of any any team in this draft that is really looking for that nose. And so that I think that could help him. And um, you know, over the summer, if I would have said that Devon Hamilton is going to be a top 100 draft pick, I don't know any Buckeye fan would have said, "Oh yeah, I, I could see that." I mean, so I give him a lot of credit for what he was able to do this year as a senior. I mean, of all the guys on here, if you had to bet on who's going to have a 10-year career, he'd be up there for me. Okay, the the last group, um, mostly receivers. you got your Austin Max over the world. Uh, Jonah Jackson is a guy who, who did well at the Senior Bowl and improved his stock. Jordan Fuller maybe didn't have the year that everyone expected. How do you see it panning out for, for the rest of the group? Yeah, and you know what? I, I'd honestly, I think I might uh, split this into two uh, tiers because you have your, you know, the day three, so around four, five, six, seven. I think you've got your uh, early day three, and then your later day three. Early day three, uh, I think Jonah Jackson's in that mix. Um, you know, he's six three and a half, uh, three hundred six pounds. Not not the best athlete, but he's a guy that is going to dominate in a phone booth. Uh, there's that natural strength, the tenacity uh, for a team that runs a lot of power. Uh, he is going to be a really great fit. Uh, just with his body type, you never see him bullied. He can absorb power. He can anchor. He's got pop in his hands. He'll get defenders moving in the run game. Um, I'm really impressed with what he did this year as a senior. He really helped stabilize that 
the interior of that offensive line for the Buckeyes. So I think Jonah Jackson's in that early portion um, of day three. And, you know, he might he might be the only one. I think then if you go to that next tier, that, that back half of round three towards the end of the draft, I think that's where – uh, Jordan Fuller is kind of on the on the fence between the two tiers, I guess. Uh, safety, who he, he's he's tough because he's not a playmaker. He's but he, he's very conservative. He's a very reliable tackler. It's just he's not going to create a lot of turnovers. He's not going to take a lot of chances. He's not going to jump a lot of routes. Um, that's not what he was asked to do at Ohio State. And so I don't. I'm, we're just we haven't seen him do it consistently. But he is a guy that will clean up a lot of messes, he'll make tackles, he can be a reliable player. The character's off the charts uh, with Jordan Fuller. That's the, scouts routinely, it's kind of the opposite of Damon Arnett. They tell me all the time how impressed they are with Jordan Fuller. Um, and so I think that alone it could get him drafted maybe as early as the fourth or fifth round. Um, a guy that will play on special teams for a lot of years and be a reliable backup, a guy that might push the starters um, and then, yeah, back half of uh, day three, that's, that's where you had the receivers, like you mentioned. Um, Austin Mack, uh, Benjamin Victor, I think they're both in there. Um, are we missing anybody? I think that, I think that might be it. About it. The, no, that's good. The Buckeyes, yeah. And so it's, it, and these two receivers, it's, it's funny when you look at them. They, neither of them have just the, the production that you would kind of expect from a top-tier program for – you know, former, you know, pretty highly recruited guys, uh, but you know they, they they were they came up in big spots. I mean, Austin Mack had a few, uh, you know, uh, struggles staying healthy here and there, but uh, you know he came up big and he would he would have some drops, but he'd make these unbelievable catches. Uh, Benjamin Victor, who uh, would have some drops, you know, he came up with these. You know, I call him uh, Gumby because he just the flexibility the. The, the nimbleness, it's just really impressive what he's able to do with his body. And so um, both these guys are, are kind of in that late-round mix. And it's a tough spot because this receiver class is just ridiculous in terms of the how loaded it is, how deep it is. Um, and so that could push them out of the draft. But uh, they, they definitely have the talent to be drafted somewhere six, seventh round. How much do you think the Ohio State brand helps a prospect? It certainly does. I mean, it, and you know, one of the things that um, you know, when I was coming up, uh, my informal scouting education from you know different people, different scouts, you know, they always preach that you don't scout the decal and the helmet. You know, you scout the player, and that's it's so important because you know you don't want bias to creep in. You don't want um, you know anything like that to affect how you are grading. But it's just human nature because, uh, you know, I, I think it, and it's it, it's for a lot of reasons. I think, first off, Ohio State doesn't recruit bad players. Um, you, you know, they, they recruit four stars, five stars. And so, you know, guys that have obvious talent. And so even if we didn't always see that talent at the college level, there there's still talent there that, you know, some NFL team might think that, hey, we can get the rust out of them. Um, and then the the second part of that would be just the coaching that Ohio or that teams know Ohio State has right now uh, and has had over the years. It's something that helps uh, you know develop the talent. They know uh, you know what what type of coaching they've received. That these guys are going to be ready for NFL life. And so uh, it's it certainly you know the brand should not really affect a player in terms of where they're drafted. But again, it's kind of just human nature to 
let that creep in a little bit and understand um, uh, where these guys have come from, where, how they've been coached, the talent that they have. Uh, so, and you know, Ohio State's got. If you look at the NFL, uh, NFL history, the number of players they've produced. I mean, it's up there with anybody. Um, you know, the USC, the Notre Dames, um, the Alabamas. Uh, you know, Ohio State might even be in the lead in that conversation uh, in terms of having the most pro-ready um, guys each and every year. So. Uh, it's something that shouldn't creep in, uh, but I I don't think that there's any question that it it does uh, to a certain extent. Bringing it back to this particular draft, you've got a completely different, you know, setup heading into it. Do you think that means we're going to have a ton of trades? Do you think that means there's going to be less activity? What's your prediction in terms of how crazy the draft could get? Yeah, and you know, honestly, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure because this is so unprecedented. Because uh, I, I, I think we're going to have a lot of teams looking to trade back uh, for picks next year, where things are a little more certain. But in order for that to happen, you have to have a team that's willing to give up picks for next year. And I'm not sure that we're going to have a lot of teams that are willing to do that because everyone's in the same boat here. Everyone's thinking about, uh, you know, there's all the uncertainty and. You know, I, I think for a lot of people saying, oh, well, you know, they, you know, they have the tape on all these guys, they've done all the work, and you know, but you have to, you have to realize too that while the combine happened, and thankfully the combine happened, because without the combine, I don't, the draft would have been pushed back for sure. But the biggest reason why there's a little uncertainty right now is the medicals. Now, and I and I really you know, the only reason why I would say to push the draft back is because for the non combine guys and I feel really bad for those guys every year there's about thirty five thirty five to forty non combine guys drafted every single year this year it's going to be single digits maybe because and the biggest reason is not because of a forty yard dash it's because of the medical information a team is not going to draft a player if they don't have updated medicals. Uh, this is a, a violent physical game. And, you know, we, we just do too many guys that go to the NFL level with uh, already these pre con, uh, pre-existing conditions that end up being an issue that cuts their career short. Um, so, you know, with, with the combine, you're able to get all that medical information. But you look at, um, you know, I'm looking at, keep bringing it back to Ohio State, Brandon Bowen who had that, that leg injury that basically robbed him of, what, two years of his Ohio State career, and he comes back and has a really good uh, senior year, but he was not able to go to the combine. And how are teams going to have an updated idea of what's going on with that leg? Uh, you know, and it, sure, you, you know, you can have, uh, you know, his agent can have an independent uh, doctor look at it and send reports, but NFL teams aren't going to pay attention to that because – a, they don't know how independent that doctor is, and B, they don't, uh, you know, the NFL doctors, the medical staffs, they look for certain things that, you know, just your average physician's not looking for. Um, and so it just, it, it's really tough for some of these guys. Um, I, I think that, you know, Bowen's in that group. Um, another Ohio State guy that kind of falls in that group is uh, uh, Cornell, uh, Jason Cornell, who had another sure. another guy who, Top recruit didn't really put it together until later on in his career. Um, you know, had a had a pretty good, sol- a solid senior season for the Buckeyes. Uh, but another guy who is going to have a tough time 
you know, creeping into being a draft pick because uh, without the the pro day, without the visits, without the workouts, uh, you know, we're not, we're not going to have those updated medicals. And so, to me, that is the biggest, um, you know, difference between past years and this year is the lack of uh, non-combine guys being able to uh, be represented, um, you know, the pro day. Uh, and, again, it's not just a 40-yard dash. And While it's important because it's a piece of the process, uh, you know, the workouts, the testing, uh, but it's not only that. No, it's not mainly that. It's mainly the medicals, not having that updated information. Teams just aren't going to draft a lot of those guys, um, you know, without knowing, okay, does he have a – you know, our arthritic shoulder that we don't know about, or, you know, because it basically ends up being a waste of a draft pick. So they're going to be a little more conservative, uh, teams will, and draft players where they know the medical information, they have updated uh, information, and for a lot of guys, it's uh, whoever attended the combine. So it's uh, it's really unfortunate for uh, the rest of the field who uh, are going to, this year especially, kind of be on the outside looking in. I'm biased, but I expect Cornell and Bowen to be on NFL rosters next year. Worst-case scenario, practice squad, but they are very good players who kind of got lost in the shuffle here. I, I think both of them – I'm going to give them PFA grades just because of what I just mentioned, but I sure. was pleasantly surprised when I did scout them. And, uh, you know, Cornell's guy who didn't – you know, was a top recruit, uh, you know, didn't really show it until the senior year, but – he put himself into the mix of being a legitimate NFL prospect. And then, you know, Bowen, I mentioned how Jonah Jackson, how he came in and how he was such an important part of that Ohio State offensive line. But Bowen emerging as the starting right tackle, that was that was huge. Um, you know, I don't have to tell Ohio State fans that. They know how much he meant to uh, the team this year. So I, I, I would not be surprised at all if, uh, you know, we get to October and both those guys are still hanging on. Uh, if not on an active roster, on a practice squad or something like that, where you know they're they're at least keeping their dream alive of uh, playing professional football. With Bowen, it's just his health. He can play. Cornell mm-hmm. has some scheme versatility. Very hard worker. Great in the locker room. So those kind of things get underrated. It's like we were talking about Jordan Fuller earlier. He's just a no risk prospect in terms of if his potential is eighty. I think he's going to get to eighty. Now whether the eighty is good enough for you is one thing, but he's going to max out. He's that kind of guy. Speaking of maxing out, Dane, you spend much of your year working on, I believe it's called The Beast. Tell people how they can get your guide and all the work that's gone into it and what you have for them. Yeah, and uh, it's something I work on year-round, 365 days out of the year, putting together this draft guide, and uh, I'm very excited. It'll come out um, on Monday here uh, next week, uh, beginning of next week. So that's, what, the 6th? April 6th is when uh, our target date is. I've all the files have been sent in to my editors. They're looking over it right now. Um, got a little bit of formatting to do these last few days before it comes out, uh, but can't wait to share it. Yeah, you know, there's there's over 400 reports in there. Um, all the you know, the pro day the pro day that actually happened. All that information's in there. Combine. Um, I, I promise you, there is not a more detailed draft guide out there. I can I can make that promise because no one works harder on it than I do in terms of compiling all the information. Um, and it's just it's a, a year-round dedication for me. And so um, if you have your subscription to The Athletic, uh, it's free, part of your subscription. Um, I want to make it worthwhile for everybody. So, uh, you know, even if you only get The Athletic for a month, uh, you know, it's still cheaper than what I would have uh, sold the guide for independently. So, uh, you know, check out The Athletic, check out everything we have to offer, and 
you know, get your draft guide for free. I promise if you, if you are listening to this podcast, you're obviously interested in the, in the Buckeyes and, and the draft and where these guys might go. I promise you, you will not be disappointed by it. That's a great point. If you made it to where you can hear my voice now and you don't have this draft guide, you are missing out. Trust me. We have him on routinely because he is the best. Dane, I mean, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it and how much time you have consistently given to us here at Bucknuts. Hope you enjoy the rest of the prep and have a great draft. Thank you. Anytime, man. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.